the reading of God's word. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembly worship, worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Luke chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Donna. If you're glad today that we serve a faithful God, say amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to turn there with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at that passage more in depth um, today. Today we do begin a new sermon series uh, that is uh, somewhat different um, when you actually think about it. The title of our series is just one word, and the, and the title is silent, silent. Uh, by definition, this word silent means not making or accompanied by any sound. And when you think of this word silent, words come to mind like completely quiet or still or hushed or peaceful or tranquil or we know the saying, right, so quiet you could hear a pin drop, right? We know that. Like, these are all things that come to mind when we think of this word silent. And I want to ask you this morning, I want you to stop and just think about it with me today. How much silent time have you had this week? How much time, if you're just looking back, how much time have you spent just in complete silence? As you think about that this morning, my guess when we think about it would be, would be not a whole lot. In fact, if we were to say that maybe we sat in uninterrupted silence for maybe five minutes, 
probably not 10 or 20 or 30 minutes, right? We just don't get a lot of this quiet, silent time. In fact, for some of us, it may be years since we've really had silent or quiet time in our life. While we're awake, there is noise all around us, and everybody said... Right? There's noise all around us. The, the TV is always on or music on. When we're in the car driving, there's always something uh, playing, it seems. Even while we're sleeping, many of us don't like the silence. Some run the fans. Some even leave the TV or music on while they're sleeping. Why? Just because we don't want complete quiet in our, in our lives. And so it seems. I go to the gym, and, and even there, uh, most people have their headphones in, or there's just a plethora of TVs all around because we just don't like for things to be quiet even for just a few minutes. And, and this is not necessarily a condemnation this morning. This is just an observation. If you think it's pretty true, say amen. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just pretty true. I think that silence scares us. even for just a few seconds. How many were tempted to look at their phone real quick? <laughs> or to pick up the bulletin? Or to somehow distract yourself? Or to think, what just happened to the pastor? Right? Silence scares us. It makes us uneasy. Let me ask you another question. Has anyone ever misinterpreted your silence? Has anyone misinterpreted your silence? Maybe you're in a situation where you don't speak because maybe there's just a lot going on. Maybe that day has been a particularly uh, difficult day and, you, and you, maybe you just get home and, and you just need some quiet time and so you sit down and you just don't say much for a little while. And somebody maybe thinks you're mad at them just because you're quiet, you're silent. There was a situation where Kendra, a few years ago, where Kendra came in the room, and I had one of those days. It had been a crazy day, and I was tired. I had a lot on my mind, and, and she came in the room, and she sat down near me, and, and I just didn't think much about it. I didn't say anything um, to her when she came in and sat down, and we sat there for a few minutes, and then she just started spilling the beans about something that she'd done. Like, she was completely convinced the reason I was quiet was because I was upset with her and had somehow found out about this, and so she just started in, telling me all about it, thinking somehow I already knew, which I had no idea. But I'll have to tell you that it has worked a couple of times since. <laughs> she completely misinterpreted my silence. Silence can be misinterpreted, and, and I feel that nothing is as easy to misinterpret as the silence of God. Nothing is as easy to misinterpret as when God seems to be silent, when he seems to be quiet. Luke chapter 1, this is a passage that we normally look at around Christmas time, and so since it's only 184 days away, I thought we'd get an early start. It's actually a wonderful passage that gives us a pretty good example of this idea that sometimes God's silence can be easily misinterpreted. 
The passage that Donna read this morning is a time of how God is behind the scenes working even in the silent times of our life and how we need to live, examples of how we need to live when the heavens are silent. And the first thing that I want you to see is that sometimes God is silent, but we can't give up. Look with me, verse 5. In the time of Herod, uh, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the commandments uh, and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and so they were both well along in years. We can make some assumptions as we read these verses, I believe, and that is that, that Zechariah and, and Elizabeth had prayed for years to have a child. This was a great desire of theirs. They'd prayed with God. They'd, they, I'm sure, even pleaded with him at times, asking him to work. They had probably done just what we would do, and they had involved family and friends to pray that God would, that God would work. They had confidence that these people around them could pray and, and, and seek God on their behalf. And the heavens were silent. Now they were old. The Bible tells us they were past the age to be able to conceive. And by this time had likely given up on the possibility of ever having children. They had prayed, but God had been silent. How easy it would have been to misinterpret God's silence here. How easy it would have been for them to abandon their faith, to give up on God. I mean, there's no doubt that they wanted children and they had prayed for a child, but the heavens were silent, no response. What do you assume? What do you assume when God is silent? You see, we make a lot of assumptions, don't we? When we don't hear an answer to a specific prayer that we pray over and over and over again, we make a lot of assumptions. We make the assumption a lot of times that somehow God doesn't care. Ever feel like God doesn't care? That got quiet. Can I just tell you that there are times when I have wondered, God, do you care? Don't judge me this morning. I stand in pretty good company because even David the psalmist said, God, do you care? See, I'm glad we serve a God that we can be honest and open with. God, do you care? God, do you hear my prayer? God, is there something wrong with you? Or better yet, the assumption that a lot of times we make is, God, is there something wrong with me? Because a lot of times when God is silent, we scramble to try to do everything that we think can think of to do to somehow win God's approval. Can I tell you that that's a, that's a lot of times a, a misassumption about why God is silent. And if we assume these things about God in the midst of, of his silence, it will affect our walk with him. You see, what can happen when we make these assumptions that are incorrect is that we can begin to grow cynical. We can begin to grow cynical. We can begin to doubt God's ability. We can think that somehow God has failed us. As I said this morning in my prayer, glad we're thankful that we serve a God who never fails. And, and, and we can even amen that and yet there are times when we look back in our life and God has been maybe even silent today as we pray about a specific prayer and we wonder, God, have you failed me in this area? You see, we can become cynical, we can begin to doubt his ability, we can doubt God's love for us, even though his love is unconditional and the Bible tells us and the promise says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Aren't you glad? 
And yet, when the heavens are silent at times, we doubt, God, do you really love me? Do you really care for me? And as we think about this, and as we allow this thinking to begin to influence our heart and our life, it will affect our walk with God. I'm honest with you this morning and say that I've, I, have, I have felt these feelings. I preach not from a textbook today. I preach from, I've walked here. And I want you to know that these feelings, they happen to Christians. And if you're honest this morning, maybe some of you have experienced in fact, I would go as far to say probably all of us have experienced some form of this in our own walk. To think Zachariah and Elizabeth may have felt this way at times was not out of the question. They're both well along in years. I'm sure that during this time they had a range of different emotions and feelings and thoughts just like we do, waiting for God to work. There were probably days where they had little hope and wondered if there would ever be an answer to their prayer. Probably days where they were tempted to give up on God. But listen very closely to how Zechariah and Elizabeth are described here in verse 6. Because I remind you today that as we hear this description of this couple, it comes this, at this very late time in their lives. They have walked a long time with God being silent, and yet listen to how they're described. Both of them, the Bible tells us, verse 6, were upright in the sight of God, observing all, the, the, all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. You know what that tells me? That tells me that in, in spite of God's silence, they did, they did not steal away their love for God or their faith in him. In other words, there are going to be times when our prayers seem to go unanswered, when God is silent and we don't see a quick turnaround in our desire, whatever it might be. And it's in those times that we have to continue to remain faithful and trust that God will be with us every step of the way. They're described as upright. This word would be used of someone whose way of thinking and, and feeling and acting is just wholeheartedly conformed to God's will. In other words, they were abandoned to the will of God. God, whatever your will is for us, whatever your will is for me today, for whatever reason, you're silent as I call out to you, but God, I will continue to trust in you and your plan and your will and your desires for my life. They were upright. And then it uses the word blameless, right? It means if there was a charge made against them for doing something outside of the law of God that no charge could be maintained against them. They had kept on believing and trusting for God to be faithful to them, whether they had a child or not. God, we trust in you, we believe in you. Our hope is in you. Upright and blameless. In other words, even though God was silent, Zechariah and Elizabeth would not give up on God. May God help us. Because the thing a lot of times that we want to do, the thing a lot of times that, that is, is the easiest thing, so we think in that moment to do, is simply just give up on God. 
That's not the example we see here. Even though he didn't answer their prayer in the way they wanted or on the time schedule that they had laid out, they didn't give up. They continued to trust even though they couldn't see it. God was powerfully at work. Can I just remind you today, even though you can't see it, God is powerfully at work. Our God is not asleep. Our God is not deaf. Our God is working behind the scenes in ways we can't see or understand to bring his will into our lives. And we have to trust him. When God is silent, we are so tempted at times to give in to despair. Last week I shared with you the story about, about Eva who had prayed for her son Jesse for so many years and, and um, it wasn't until the day, if you remember the story, that she went to, to meet Jesus. It was that day that as she took her last breath, I believe her last prayer on this earth was, Lord, would you, would you save my son Jesse? Lord, would you draw him to you? And she drew that last breath and when she went to meet Jesus, Jesse has, was still a long way a long way from knowing Christ as his Savior, or so we thought. She didn't give up on God. She took her last breath on this earth with hope, knowing that even though it seemed that God had been silent, that God was actively at work behind the scenes, and somehow, I don't know what this does to your theology, but somehow I just believe that Eva in heaven was aware of the day that, that Jesse came to know Jesus. Because just a few weeks later, he accepted Christ. She didn't give up. When God is silent and it seems all hope is gone, we have to hold on to the fact that God is powerfully at work behind the scenes. And we have to keep living the life that he's called us to live. It's having the, the faith. It's having the faith to look beyond what we see and what we know and what we feel and trust in the promises of God. Sometimes God is silent. But we can't give up. I want you to also see from this passage this morning that sometimes all you can do during God's silence is hold steady until his presence returns. Sometimes all you can do is hold steady until his presence returns. Look at verse eight with me. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when that time came for the burning of the incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying Outside, I want you to notice what Zechariah was doing during this silent time of God. During this time when it seemed like that there was no hope, when it seemed like that, that God was not hearing his prayers, I want you to notice what Zechariah was doing. Zechariah was remaining faithful to God. Zechariah kept doing Zechariah kept serving. He kept doing what he knew God had asked him and appointed him to do. Every day, he kept doing what God asked him to do. Zechariah's division of the priests was serving in the temple, the Bible tells us, during this particular week. And here's what would happen. Each morning, one of the priests would, would enter the holy place in the temple to offer incense. And, and the incense, it burned in the temple twice during the day, once in the morning and once 
in the, in the afternoon. And, and, and the Bible tells us that lots were cast. In other words, it was just kind of a draw, uh, so to speak. Who would be the one to go in and, and uh, burn the incense on that particular day? It was a high honor to be able to do this. And so on this day, Zechariah was chosen to be the one to go in. Now, offering incense before the Lord, as I said, was, is a great privilege, was a great privilege. And I found it interesting to realize that, only, uh, that a priest was only allowed to go in and do this once in their lifetime. Did you know that? They were only allowed to go in and burn incense once in their entire life. And so some would say that Zechariah was in there on this day by chance. I would say Zechariah was in there on this day providentially. He was, on the, he was in there burning incense on this day because this was the day that God had chosen to reveal himself to Zechariah. Now think about this with me. Zechariah was doing every single day, all these years, exactly what God had asked him to do. Day after day after day, he remained faithful, he remained faithful, he remained faithful, he remained faithful, long beyond the age when he felt like that God could even supply the blessing, he continued to remain faithful and remain faithful and remain faithful, and then this day came. And then this day came where God breaks through the silence to speak to Zechariah. And because he was there, because he was on duty, because he chose to remain faithful, God met with him in this temple and blessed him with the privilege of being the father of John the Baptist, this for, the great forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. You see, ultimately, by making this choice to continue to obey and continue to serve and continue to be in a position where God could speak, he heard from God in the midst of the silence. Another day, another, in a lot of ways, ordinary day where he chose to put God first, when he chose to surrender his will and his feelings and say, God, I trust you, I believe in you, I'm going to walk with you. On this ordinary day, God breaks through the silence and speaks can I just tell you that each of us, and remind you that each of us have prayers that we lift up, request to God, and we lift those requests up, and we pray on behalf, sometimes of ourselves, sometimes on behalf of those we love and that we care about, and we call out to God, and, we, and our heart is grieved, and our heart is broken over situations and circumstances and conditions, and we call out to God, and yet there's no answer. And yet the heavens are silent. I want to remind you today that even in those times that we have to continue to put ourselves in a position every single day to, to hear from God and to be in his presence. So how do we do that? How do we faithfully put ourselves in a position to hear from God in the midst of silence? There's no, there's no new truth here. But let me just remind you today one way that we do that is by reading the word of God and standing on his promises. Sometimes the way that we make it through the next day, sometimes the way that we make it through the next hour, sometimes the way that we remain faithful in the midst of silence is to get in the word of God and let him speak to us through the promises that he gives us.
song that Pastor Nathan picked out for us today and taught us the last song that we sang, and I will wait for you. I will wait for you. That, that song comes from Psalm 130. And um, let me just share quickly with you this morning um, the words from that, and these won't be on, on the screen, but I want you to hear them this morning. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Catch it. Out of the depths I cry to you. He wasn't in a low elevation physically, folks. He's calling out to God because his heart is broken. Out of the depths of this situation, God, I cry to you. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. And then he says, if you, oh, Lord, kept a record of sins, oh, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And then verse 5 says, I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. There was a watchman on the city walls that would look out and watch over the city during the nighttime. And, you know, as the night grew on, that job would get pretty pretty difficult, right, to stay awake and to keep your eyes on what was happening around, around them. And don't you imagine that they would just long to see the sun begin to rise in the distance so they would know this night is about to end. And the psalmist is saying, Lord, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to put my hope in you. I'm going to trust in your promises. I'm going to believe that you're not going to fail me. I'm going to believe that you're going to be there. And somehow, some way, the light is going to begin to shine into my situation. And God, you're going to perform like you always do. And even from the midst, midst of my despair, I can look up and know, God, that you will not fail me. Now, I don't know what it looks like for you to stand on the Word of God, but I am so thankful today for the promises that God gives us in His, in His Scripture, for the promises found in the Word of God, because in silent times of your life, the Word of God can become a food like no other. In silent times of your life, God can break through the darkness of the situation, and even though, even though nothing may change around you, I just want to remind you today that through the Word of God, God's presence can be felt and made real. And I just have to believe that somehow, uh, as Zechariah and Elizabeth waited upon God, that somehow, some way, all along the way, God continued to remind them, I will be faithful. You can trust me. I will be with you. And long before this, this special day, long before this special day in the temple where God comes on the scene and it's recorded in Scripture, I just believe and, and, and you say, Pastor, you don't know. You're right, I don't know, but I know how faithful God is. And the way that you make it through the years and years of waiting has to be because God pays you visits and he reminds you of his promises. Don't give up. I'll be with you. I'll provide his word is so powerful. How does he put us, how do we put ourselves in a position to hear from God in the midst of the silence and, and just know that he's there? It's through his word, it's through time and prayer, spending time opening your heart to him, spending time telling you, telling him how you feel. And sometimes when we don't know how to pray, it's good to get in the Psalms. And, and let me just tell you, you don't have to read very far in the Psalms before. Whether you're, no matter what season of life that you're in, you don't have to read very long before the words of the Psalm can become your prayer. 
I'm just telling you this morning, if you're struggling to pray, if you're having trouble to know how to pray in the silent times of your life, look into the Psalms because the psalmist so many times is not afraid to say, God, here's where I am. Here's my heart, Lord. I lay it out bare before you. Here is my heart. Now, Lord, you speak truth. And almost every psalm, when the heart is laid bare, can I just tell you, just keep reading, because it won't be long, and God begins to speak truth right back into the situation. But it's by spending time in prayer, by reading the word, and it could be by serving. Zechariah was serving in the temple. Zechariah, he continued to do exactly what he knew he was called to do. Serving others, caring for the needs that were placed before him day after day. And we, like Zechariah, have to be determined that God may be silent. In fact, in fact, he may have been silent for a really long time in your situation. But we have to be determined, I'm not going to withdraw. I'm going to serve. And I'm going to help. And I'm going to remember back to the last thing that God spoke to my life, the last thing he said for me to do. I'm going to continue to do that faithfully until I hear from God. We have to keep seeking and do what he told us to do. Now, you say, Pastor, that doesn't sound just super wonderful to me. Okay, maybe you don't say that, but I say that at times. It doesn't sound super wonderful, right? It's not easy. There have been times in my life when the heavens were silent. There have been times in my life when my heart was dry and parched from the journey when there was no fruit from my labor, when discouragement had set in, God had not acted, he had not come through, or so it seemed, and the weight of that was weighing heavy on me. And yet there was something within me, day after day, in fact, a lot of days, moment by moment by moment, there was something in me that helped me to hold steady and to keep looking up and to trust that God would be faithful and honestly, some days just keep putting one foot in front of the other until those moments when I felt God's presence return and carry me and lift me and get me through the next day or get me through the next week until the day came when the silence broke and God stepped in and spoke. I say that to say this this morning. Don't give up. Don't give in to despair. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy but keep trusting and believing and knowing because even though God may or may not fix the circumstances to our liking, his presence will return. Sometimes God will answer our prayer just like we'd hoped. And sometimes God will answer our prayer completely different than we ever thought. In fact, he'll answer it even, even beyond what we ever could have thought he might do. But regardless whether it's Perfect in our opinion or a lot different. Can I just remind you that God promises that he will come through. Verse 11 goes on to tell us that the angel appears to, to Zechariah there in the temple. And of course Zechariah is afraid as any of us would have been. And the angel tells him, Zechariah don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. When do you think God heard that prayer? Can I tell you when I think God heard that prayer? I think God heard that prayer from the very first time it was prayed. God heard that prayer prayed over and over and over and over again, and yet God knew the timing that it would take, and he knew when the right day would come. And let me just tell you, the right day finally came. 
And Zechariah and Elizabeth would have the privilege of being the father and mother of John the Baptist, who would be the voice that cried out in the wilderness to prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. Do you think they ever looked back and said, boy, God, I really wish you'd have hurried up and, 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 and done it a lot sooner? Or do you think they looked back and said, wow, God, your timing was perfect, even though we had to wait. Lord, what a blessing it has been to watch your plan for the Messiah unfold. And can I just tell you this morning that we may not always understand the timing of God. We may not always understand why God has us to wait. But I just have to remind you today that if we'll be patient and we'll keep the faith that God will work in our lives in such a way to not only provide for us but bring glory to him. And I don't know what you're living for this morning. So much of what I'm sharing with you today I've lived. So much of what I'm sharing with you today, I've walked through. And that's why I'm so emotional this morning. Because I don't preach it from uh, a theory. I preach it from experience. And I know what it feels like. And I want you to realize today that so often we're really good at suppressing what it feels like. I want you to know that we serve a God that's on the throne and will be with us through the hardest things that we face. And even though we have to wait, and even though we don't understand the timing of God, I want you to hear this this morning. God's presence will return. His presence returned to Zechariah. His presence will return in our lives and in our situations and in the things that we pray for and ask God to work in. He'll break through the silence to answer prayer. Sometimes his presence comes to us in the form of peace. For Zechariah and Elizabeth, I think they probably experienced the peace of God wash over them multiple times in their lives. There's so many different examples I could give you. One of the times that comes to mind a lot, a few years ago, in fact, it was just shortly after we had moved here, and Jaron was headed off to college, and we were making all the college visits, and some of you will be doing that, or have already started that process for next year, probably already decided by now. Many of you have been through that as well as parents, and we made all the college visits, and we went to uh, Indiana Wesleyan, we went to Olivet, we went to some state schools with Jaron, and, and Indiana Wesleyan offered Jaron a, a full ride scholarship, and Olivet a, a nice discount in scholarships, and the state schools would have been pretty well all scholarshiped. We visited Trevecca, and there was no scholarship, and so I don't have to tell you where he went. We were talking about it one night, and, you know, as dad, the answer was clear to me, right? There's four choices, not five. Um, Jaron came in, and we talked one night, and he said, Dad, I just really feel like this is where God wants me. I've prayed about it, and, and I just really feel clear. <clears throat> Let me ask you, parents, like, what do you want to hear from your kids? 
are there any greater words than I've prayed about this and I just really feel clear that this is what God wants in my life? Any, better, any greater words than that? He was really clear, but let me tell you, I wasn't clear. <laughs> we took Jaron down for orientation and, at Trevecca, and he was going through all the ropes. And They take all the parents off in another room while the kids are having fun, and they're telling them how great college is going to be. They set us down and say, okay, here's where, here's where the rubber meets the road. This is what's going to cost. <laughs> And I remember the anxiety beginning to build up in me because I didn't want Jaron to have to graduate under a load of debt, and we wanted to try to do everything we could to help him. And, and so walked out of that room that day with a pretty heavy load, and I'd been praying about it already because I already knew. And the longer I prayed, the, the less I heard. It just seemed like you know, I couldn't get clear. He may be clear, but I sure can't get clear on this, and I don't know where it's going to come from. And and they closed out that whole time that we had down there over a couple days. They closed it out with a chapel service. And this load was still on me. And I didn't know what was going to, how we were going to cover it, what was going to happen. And I remember sitting in the chapel. I could, go, I could take you down to Trevecca. It was that real. I could take you down there and I could walk you to where I was sitting in there that morning. I don't know what was even said or done or sung that day. All I know is that I found myself very much in the presence of God. I was just sitting there, you know, the Lord just said, Brian, if I'm calling him, I'll, I'll take care of the rest of this. Now, you might say, that just seems like common sense. Yeah, it is. Like, I know that. I've preached it. I've told you that. I've believed that. But when the new situation comes our way, when the new circumstance happens into our life that's bigger than anything that we've had to face before, the questions come. And when we call out to God and there's silence, we wonder, how is this all going to work out? And that day, in that service, in that, in that seat, God was so real. And he said, I got this. Just trust me. And the felt presence of God came and settled upon me that day. Now, what I want to tell you is that from that point forward, I never worried about it again. Like, I want to say it was no big deal, like the next four years, no problem, every month wrote the check, didn't give it another thought. The reality was this, month by month, month by month, month by month, God would provide. And there were some months, just being honest, where I said, Lord, I, I know what you spoke to my heart, but I'm also looking at my checkbook. I don't know how you're going to do it this month. I don't know how it's all going to come together. Month by month, God's provision, God's help. And I'm so glad those four years are over. <laughs> month by month, provision came. And the Lord taught me again. Every time I wrote that check, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for making yourself known again this month. He speaks to us with his peace. He speaks to us with his provision. And sometimes it's just simply clear direction. Sometimes it's just simply that he breaks through the silence and he just opens the door. He breaks through the silence and he just shows up and shows us and there's no doubt about what we should do. Aren't you thankful for those times? Clear direction, 
this is my plan. This is the way. Walk here. Step here. I'll show you. And he does. In 2006, Michelle and I were praying, and we sensed the Lord releasing us from our ministry position at that time and we had another opportunity and we were praying about that and I'm just so always I just want to know before I take a step in so many areas and really all areas but some are just so weighty and I remember um, just waiting upon God and 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 it was quiet like we we felt how we felt and yet it just didn't feel like anything was right and maybe you've been there in hard decisions or big decisions that you've had to make. You just, you sense, but yet you're not sure. And you're praying, and yet God is silent. And you want to know, and yet it's like, God, are you ever going to show me? Are you ever going to speak? And again, one night, I'd been struggling, and I had to make a decision. And I was standing on this idea that, Lord, until you tell me different, I just have to keep doing what you've called me to do, where you've called me to do it. And until you show me different, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, and, and I had kind of landed on, I, I, if I'm not sure, I can't, I can't step. And um, it was two in the morning. I had to give an answer the next day. I was up, and I was reading scripture, and I was seeking God. Can I just tell you, when we don't know what to do, it's good to get in the word of God. I was reading God's word in an obscure passage in the book of Judges of all places. I was flipping through and reading, and, and half of what I was reading, you know how sometimes it is. I'm just reading through Scripture, and, and some of it's bouncing off. My mind starts to wander, and I'm thinking about the situation, and my, then I can focus again, and I keep reading, and then I'm wandering, and this has just been the process. It's 2 in the morning, and, and, I, and I'm tired, and I want to go to sleep, but I can't sleep. You're with me, right? You know, because some of you, most of you probably have walked there. In Judges 18, there's these men from the tribe of Dan, and they're, they're looking for uh, their inheritance. They want to settle in the promised land, and many have already taken possession, but they haven't yet. And so they're striving to find where their possession would come and, and where they should go. And so they're, they're kind of, it seems anyway, as you read it, wandering through aimlessly through the, through the promised land. And, and as they are, they come upon um, this priest who is serving in a house there, and, and they recognize him as a priest of God. And so these, these uh, people from Dan, they go to him and they ask him this question. They say, please inquire of God to learn whether our journey will be successful. And the next verse says, the priest answered them, go in peace. Your journey has the Lord's approval. Obscure passage in Judges. And I'm praying, God, would you show, would you guide, would you direct? Would you give me wisdom? Would you help me? And I read these words that night and with these words, though, with these words came the felt presence and peace of God. See, we have to be careful because we can read the Bible and twist Scripture into giving us the answer we want to hear. And everybody said. But when we read it and we're seeking God and we're desiring to hear from Him, our heart knows when we've heard from Him. And that night I heard from God and He gave me clear direction. Sometimes it comes through scripture and sometimes it comes through open doors and confirmations. Sometimes it comes through listening as you're talking to people that you have confidence and believing in and God will confirm one thing after another and he'll speak through the silence and he'll give you clear direction. But here's what I want you to hear today. 
God is faithful. However he chooses to speak, however he chooses to finally break through that silence, he will send his presence to confirm it. You will know that you know that you know when God begins to speak again. His felt presence is always given and is experienced by his Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit today? Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit that speaks? I don't know about the silence that you're experiencing today. I don't know how long you've prayed. I don't know how long you've trusted and believed. I don't know how close you are to giving up or how close you are to giving in to despair. Only you know that. But I do know that our God never changes. And I do know that our God is no respecter of persons. That what he does for one, he will do for us. Just as his presence was made known to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Just as his presence has been made known to me in the past. He'll make his presence known to you. And he will provide his peace and he will provide eventually his provision, and he will give you clear direction, but our job is we cannot give up on God. Hold steady, hold fast, keep seeking and trusting and believing he will come through. I love the words of the song. I will wait for you, I will wait for you. On your word I will rely. I will wait for you, surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied. So often when we're waiting, our soul is in turmoil. Can I tell you today that God wants to satisfy our soul? And I have to remind you today that what brings true satisfaction to our soul isn't what we're waiting for. What brings true satisfaction to our soul is experiencing the presence of God in the midst of the waiting. And the only way we do that is by seeking Him. Pouring our heart out before Him and saying, God, I'm waiting on You. I'm not giving up today. I'm waiting on You you. I'd like for you to stand with me this morning and Pastor Nathan's going to come. Father, we're in your presence this morning. It's a heavy message, Lord, in a lot of ways and yet there's no doubt in my mind that it's for us today. It's real takes us to the midst of the struggle that we try to ignore. And I pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to wait and seek and trust. Lord, in these moments now, would they be divine moments of your presence that would come and meet us right where we are? And I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to just bear our souls to you and be honest with you and put our faith and trust in you afresh today. We love you, Lord. We thank you today that you are the God of this season and that you're in control. We love you, Lord. 
We give you praise in Jesus' name. Would you be obedient?